September the 6th, and it's my birthday, if you didn't pick it up from that terrible, corny little uh, dub over The Simpsons, happy birthday Lisa song there. So welcome Average Man listeners, this is episode 13, happy birthday Lisa, in brackets Dave. So uh, I got a day off work today, things were a little bit slow, I thought stuff it, it's my birthday, I'll take the day off, I'll get some shit done, which I did. I went out and started the framework, I built all the framework for the drawers in the back of the Prado, pretty stoked with that, so we've got some storage there now, ready to put the the, the drawers together and put those in. I, um, yeah, got a bunch of other shit done around the place, and um, went picked up my new blower, got my hat, my Cuba hat in the mail, just in time for my birthday, so I'm pumping, mate, I'm feeling good. I thought, hell, I'll get all my work done, and then I can... um, Smash out a birthday podcast. So here we are, man. I thought um, I'll jump in here, get this done because I've got the UFC coming up on Sunday, UFC 228. I thought I'll give a quick breakdown of that and some other exciting news that's got me been buzzing the last couple couple of days. So um, yeah, I thought, fuck it, jump in here and do a podcast, talk about those things. Um, with the breakdown well, with the UFC this weekend, UFC 228, it is Tyron Woodley versus Darren Till for the um, welterweight title. It's going to be a very interesting fight. So there's a few good fights leading up to that, and um, I'll run through them and give my opinions and my breakdown of them and what I think, uh, and make picks for who I think is going to win those and what it's going to mean. So um, first of all, I think this will be the main event. Let me count those. One, two, three, four, five. So this will either be your main or co-main on the um, prelims. Jimmy Rivera versus John Dodson. Uh, this is at bantamweight. Bantamweight? Yeah, it is at bantamweight. Um, so Jimmy Rivera was on like a 24, 25, 26-fight win streak, somewhere around there. Uh, and then he got knocked out in the first round by Marlon Moraes in his last fight a couple of months back. So it was just one of those things, flash knockout, uh, you know, and you get caught sometimes, and that's that's all it takes. But he's, the, he's legit, real deal. I mean, he beat the brakes off Uriah Faber, um, probably his most notable win today. But, I mean, 26, let's, just sort, let's call it 26 in a row. So this dude is lethal, man. He's got all the skills, and he's fighting um, John Dodson, who's had a little bit of up and down in his career, but he's also, I mean, super fast. He's got knockout power. He um, actually knocked out the current bantamweight champ, um, uh, uh, well, 
I've had a little bit of a mind 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 uh, mind freeze there. Um, the but the bantamweight champ TJ Dillashaw, he knocked him out a couple of you know, years ago now, but he's um got really fast hands, knockout power. He's also uh yeah a really dynamic striker. So this is a that's a pretty good matchup at bantamweight there. Uh, I would put my money on Jimmy Rivera. So I think that it was just a like I said a flash knockout. Um, I think that he'd be really looking to get back in the win column, put that behind him and make another run at the title because he was in, you know, title contention. He would have been third or fourth um, position sort of in the rankings leading up to that last knockout. I think he can put it back together and get the job done this time around. So that'll be a striking match. They'll be standing up and striking mostly. They're they're both full, uh, really well-rounded mixed martial arts. They can grapple and wrestle as well, but they both love their striking, and I think they've both got knockout power. So we'll be looking at them to take someone to try to take control of the centre of the octagon and knock the other other guy out. Um, My money's on Jimmy Rivera, and I'll say... I'll say second round, second round knockout. I think he goes works the body with some big kicks, and then... Hits him with a nice headshot and um, stops him up against the cage. That's my prediction for that one. And then we've got Aljamain Sterling versus Cody Stammen. Uh, this may be so. Uh, this may be the actual main event for the for the prelims. I don't know who Cody Stammen is, uh, but I do know who Aljamain Sterling is. This is also at bantamweight, and Aljamain Sterling, another phenomenal striker. He's all round uh, mixed martial artist, though. Great jujitsu as well. He's um, when he's good, he looks like a world beater. He's had a couple of hiccups in his career. A couple, I think he had a knockout a couple of fights ago, but he's won one since then. Um, so he's uh, he's really well spoken, marketable guy as well. The, the UFC probably want him to to get a few more wins and get uh, get another star sort of built up uh, in Aljamain Sterling, the Funk Master. So I put my money on him. He's really explosive as well. I think that he gets a knockout also in the. I'll go first round. I think that he comes out, applies a lot of pressure. Cody Stammen, I don't think, has the experience to hang with him. I think he gets him, you know, uh, once he gets his timing and a feel for him, I think he, he puts him away pretty pretty easily with a nice explosive um, combination. So, Aljamain Sterling for the knockout in that one. And then we go to, this may be then the first fight on the main card, Carla Esparza versus Tatiana Suarez. Now, Carla Esparza was your first uh, strawweight champion. She went into um, the Ultimate Fighter house. So when they opened up new divisions, um, they, they put a, bu- a bunch of contenders into the Ultimate Fighter house. And obviously they go through the standard competition in the house. And whoever wins that competition comes out as the, the champion of that new division. So this was how the strawweight division started, and then Carla Esparza was beat in her next fight by Joanna Janjajic, who then went on to be like the most dominant champion that that uh, female. Well, besides, I think she tied Ronda Rousey for title defenses. So she's one of the most female dominant dominant female champions that the UFC have had to date. Um, that's Joanna Janjajic, not Carla Esparza. So Carla Esparza since then has. Strung a few wins together. She had a good win last time out. Um, and again, she's she's legit. She was the champion of that division. Um, I don't think she's top five anymore. And I just don't think she's got what it takes to take out Tatiana Suarez, who is like a, the next phenom coming up in that division. Um, so... Yeah, my my money is on Tatiana Suarez. I think she's gonna. I think she's got a really uh, dynamic grappling. 
and um, good good uh, striking and just really strong forward pressure. I think she overwhelms uh, Carla Esparza and gets rid of her in the third. I think that by the third round, she's broken Carla Esparza down enough and she uh, puts her on the ground and ground and pounds her for a TKO. And Tatiana Suarez is the one to watch coming up in that division. So she's just burst on the scene. She's really marketable. She's had a, uh, I think she's won all her fights so far. And yeah, she's sort of the next uh, big thing to come up through that strawweight division. So um, looking at really making a, a statement on the scene and in that weight division this weekend. So Tatiana Suarez by TKO via ground and pound in the third round is my pick for that one. Another strawweight. Uh, women's strawweight fight straight after that is Jessica Andrade versus Carolina Kowalkowicz. It's a crazy-ass Polish name. Carolina Kowalkowicz. And both these women have challenged for the title previously and both come up short. Both went the five rounds. Both look, you know, really, really good. Besides losing the two... Um, in, uh, Ioani and Jajic, who we just who I just spoke about being one of the most dominant female champions, they really haven't had many other losses. They've kind of ran through everybody else. Um, so they're both sort of very top competitors in that strawweight division. However, I think Jessica Andrade really just, I think she's actually going to blow through Carol, Carolina. I'm not going to try to say her bloody last name again. Um, I think she blows through Carolina. I think it's a matter of styles uh, making fights. Jessica Andrade is a little tank. She, I think she's fought up as as high as bantamweight before, which is you know, a couple of weight classes higher than strawweight, and she's just a real beast in at that weight division, little um, Brazilian tank man, and she kind of just goes forward, puts pressure on people, and just normally beats the shit out of them. She she took out um, who was she took out last? Uh, sorry, I'm blanking on that on on who her last fight was, but it was another top ranked contender, and and she really just sort of ran through, and which no one else has been able to do to that girl. So I think that Jessica Andrade gets her up against the cage, lands big knees, dirty boxing, just too much pressure, and I think she puts her out by the by the second round. So I'm um, so far I'm calling for all all finishes, all finishes so far. Um, I think that's a pretty good call. Uh, they're good matchups, which is, should make for a good card, even though there's not a lot of big names on it. It doesn't always have to be uh, big names to have good fights. Quite often, the, these relatively unknown people, like the, the hardcore MMA fans like myself, know who these people are, but the casual fan sort of doesn't know the names. But this, these are what typically typically make really good fights, just good matchups stylistically, young, hun- hungry contenders, people who aren't playing safe, fighting safe. These guys are fighting... To, to jump the up the ladder at the rankings and get their next shot. So Jessica Andrade by uh, knockout or TKO in the second round. And then we go to uh, the fight that I'm really, really excited about on this card. Uh, Zabit Magomasharipov. There's some crazy-ass names on this friggin' card. Zabit Magomasharipov, who is a Dagestani from the same uh, part of the world as um, the, the, the lightweight... Champ, who's fighting Conor McGregor soon, um, Khabib Nurmagomedov. They got these crazy ass names, man. So that's a bit uh, He's fighting Brandon Davis, and I, again, this is at bantamweight. I, I don't know who Brandon Davis is. Um, Zabit is on, sort of just on the upswing. Like I said, this card's sort of full of these up and coming fighters, but he's the general consensus around the MMA community is that 
this guy's going to be your champ within the next uh, year or two. He's absolutely phenomenal. He puts wrestling and striking together. Everything's just technical. He's really long for the bantamweight division. Um, really dangerous counter-striker. He can come forward. He can grapple. He can wrestle. They've got that Sambo background in that part of the world where he comes from. Just puts everything together perfectly. And um, tough as hell, man. He's just... Dagestani, you know, like they can take a punch as well. So this kid is, he's the real deal. Um, and I think he's going to make light work of Brandon Davis. I think that because he's not um, a headhunter, he might go into the third round, but I think he puts this guy away. I think that he pieces him up for a couple of rounds, mixes it up with takedowns, and I think he pieces him up. Uh, wears him down, and I think he actually gets him with a submission in the third round. He's got a lot of really great like flying submissions and uh, really dangerous off his back and in guard as well. So I think that he get, he's going to get that done by, via submission after breaking the guy down after over three rounds. So we've got Zabit Magomedsheripov, <laughs> Magomedsheripov for um, yeah, submission third round. Uh, coming up to your co-main event, this is also a title fight. This is a featherweight, uh, uh, sorry, flyweight title fight, women's title fight, and this is a new division. So, as I said about uh, Carla Esparza going into the tough house and winning the competition and becoming the champion of the new strawweight division at the time, Nico Montano has just won the the Ultimate Fighter season to set up the new flyweight women's flyweight division. So she's a champion, but the problem with this being a champion coming out of the um, the Ultimate Fighter House is that you you're not you've been fighting other sort of unknown competitions. You're all in a house. They're all basically amateur fighters getting the chance to to, to step up to pro. So yeah, you're the champion, but you really just beat a bunch of unknown women to get this belt. And she's facing Valentino Shevchenko, who's fought uh, current bantamweight champion Amanda Nunez. You may know her because she knocked the shit out of Ronda Rousey in Ronda Rousey's comeback fight in like 48 seconds, knocked her out, she knocked out, um, uh, knocked out, uh, I'm having a lot of mind blanks today, uh, Misha Tate to take the belt, she's just crazy, crazy power, she's fighting Chris Cyborg next, and Valentino Shevchenko took her to a um, decision twice, Split decision, decision. So she's highly, highly technical. She beat Holly Holm. She's beat. She was a multiple world uh, Muay Thai world champion in Muay Thai. She beat Joanna Janjacek. Uh, she's just absolutely lethal. She's done it all. She's seen it all. She hasn't got herself a UFC belt yet, but you could be pretty certain that um, this weekend is gonna be her night to get it to get the belt. She's gonna, I think, destroy this Nico Montano chick who's the current champ, but really doesn't have the experience to, to hang with um, she, uh, Valentino Shevchenko. So she's gonna go in there and just probably just piece her up. She's not a big knockout puncher. She does, you know, sort of. She she, she might just um, completely destroy this chick over three rounds. I'm gonna give this one a chance to go to the judges, but it'll be a unanimous decision for a one-way beating to Val- Valentino Shevchenko and new flyweight women's champion of the world. Now, breaking on down to your main event. Uh, we have Tyron Woodley versus Darren Till. This fight gets me so excited, so so excited. Um, Tyron Woodley's been out for a grip now, so he's this is his comeback fight. 
Um, he sort of was pushing to get super fights and all sorts of things going, but the UFC has forced his hand to fight the next up-and-coming um, contender who they're really hoping to make a big star. But Tyron Woodley first. So Tyron Woodley won the welterweight championship belt when he knocked out Robbie Lawler, who was a multiple-time uh, defending champ at the time. He's not. He's he's beat the Stephen Wonderboy puzzle twice, which nobody else could do. He beat the um, Damian Meyer puzzle, which nobody else could do. Uh, he's knocked out a, a lot of big names. I mean, he's had a phenomenal run in the UFC and in Strikeforce before he came over to the UFC with only a couple of losses to to his name. So Woodley is a phenomenal wrestler. He's just an all-round mixed martial artist. Really, really good. Uh, um, fight IQ. He's got a really good brain for for, for for mixed martial arts, and he's got just crazy explosive power. He likes to back up against the cage, which is a spot that you're not supposed to be, and people are quite happy to put you in that position because it's normally a dominant position for them. But Woodley uses it really well, gets his back against that cage, explodes off his back foot, and, and just knocks people's heads off, mate, or shoots big takedowns, gets you on the floor, and he can just destroy you down there. So he's a little ball of muscle, just an absolute beast of a man. A long-time welterweight champion now wants to be, go down as the greatest or one of the greatest of all time at welterweight. And he's actually on his way to doing that. So this is a big, big challenge and a big fight coming up this weekend. He's got more experience than Darren Till. He's beat, a, he's, you know, beat the who's who of the welterweight division. He's got the tools to beat Darren Till. He has, has the tools to beat anybody in the world at welterweight. However, he's been out for a little bit. Um, and he's also, you know, he's doing acting, and he's on the UFC Tonight um, TV, you know, the the breakdown show. He's got a bunch of other things sort of going on the side. He's he's a champion. He's a superstar. He's got money. He's sort of got, you know, he's got things going. So is he hungry and focused enough to take out the young lion? That's what's going to be um, the the big question on um, on the weekend at UFC two twenty eight. Now Darren Till, who is the uh, who is the challenger? is this kid from Liverpool who's just an absolute gorilla, man, an absolute gorilla. He's huge at welterweight, probably too big. He's missed weight a couple of times by like seven or eight pounds last time, which is about three or four kilos, which isn't a little bit. Um, he beat uh, Wonderboy Thompson, so uh, which is a, a very hard feat to do. Before that, he absolutely destroyed Cowboy Cerrone, knocked him out in like you know a minute or just over a minute or something like that. And um, this kid's got all the tools, man. He's massive. He's got really good forward pressure, great striking. He's got a good MMA mind as well, good grappling. He's just a beast of a man, and he's so, so hungry. All Darren Till cares about is, is not just... The belt, but being one of the greatest fighters of all time. He just says he doesn't care about money, he doesn't care about fame, his wife's pregnant, he says he doesn't even care about that, he's just focused on taking the belt from Tyron Woodley and holding that belt for a very, very long time. He's nasty, he's had a hard life, hard upbringing, he's fought around the, the, a lot of the other circuits before coming to the UFC, so even though he's relatively unknown to the masses, he's got a ton of experience. Uh, he, showed, he, he knows how to push through, he knows how to win, just a scary, scary dude, man. So he's also got the tools to beat Darren, uh, uh, to beat Tyron Woodley because of his size, he's got good knockout power, and he's a good, great counter-striker. 
So does he have the skills? Is it too early? Has he got enough experience? Can he put it all together? Can he stay focused? If Woodley makes him wrestle and takes him down or makes him defend a bunch of takedowns, can he can he stay? Uh, can he can he his gas tank hold up? It's all good when you're just striking or when you're controlling the pace of a fight. But if Woodley's going to make him fight his fight and fight off the back foot and defend those takedowns, can uh, Till hang in through the third, fourth, fifth round and still have enough energy to to get it done? He needs to be dominant for you know. Uh, three to four rounds to get the nod or he needs to put Woodley away. Neither of those things are going to be very easy against another high-level competitor with explosive power, great wrestling, really strong, who knows how to win. So I'm really interested to see what happens this this um, Saturday. And most of the, the pros uh, tend to, to be uh, have a general consensus that this is anybody's fight. No one knows. It could go either way. It could swing one way or the other. I'm going to put my money on Darren Till. Uh, and I'm going to put him on, on put the money on Darren Till for. I don't think he's going to beat him via decision. I think Woodley's got too many tools and knows how to win. He can just keep going if you don't put him away. Um, and I think he's got the better cardio, Woodley that is. So I'm going to say um, we get a TKO in the third round. I think if it doesn't get it down, done by the third round, things are going to start turning. And it's going to become Woodley's fight. So I'm, I'm saying Darren Till, TKO, third round. But this one really could go either way. So um, pick your poison. Find out what the odds are. I think they're fairly close. Um, the best one to make money on on this card would be... Carolina Kowalkowicz. Put some money on Carolina Kowalkowicz for the upset. Um, that might be the only way to make any money off this card. There's a lot of uh, other one-way, um, one-way betting lines for a reason, or some really close um, anybody's guess type, type um, fights going on. So nobody knows on the main one at least. But yeah, UFC 228 this weekend. I'm stoked. I'm booking it in as part of an extension of my birthday. I'm watching the the rugby the storm play tomorrow night. Um, Play the Rabbitohs for the semi-finals. Um, it's a big game. We've got to win. We've just lost. We just lost last week and lost the chance at being the minor premiers. So this is a really important game to get up. The Rabbitohs beat us last time we faced them this season. So the Storm need to get up and and get a win against the Rabbitohs tomorrow night. I booked that one in. Um, I'm going to hang out at home, um, just drink a couple of beers and enjoy myself, mate, and watch that uh, rugby league game. So I'm really excited about that. And then an extension of that is I've booked in a couple of hours to, to watch this UFC event on Sunday as well. I'm always working around everything and trying to record them and watch them later and, and um, not make a big deal out of it, but I'm putting time aside this Sunday to watch this card, mate. So I'm um, going to take advantage of the birthday card. Uh, now, the other thing... Uh, sorry, let me have a quick quick sip of my beer here. Uh, birthday boy. I'm allowed to drink beer in the middle of the day. It's not the middle of the day anyway, it's about four o'clock. But hey, this thing that's got me really excited, I spoke uh, on the podcast last weekend about uh, the new Eminem track, uh, album Kamikaze that he put out. Surprise album that he dropped and um, just the energy... And the lyricism and the passion and the anger, everything had just had me buzzing. And um, since then, it's, it's become uh, quite apparent that it's not just me that's been buzzing. It's got the entire sort of hip-hop and pop culture world buzzing. Twitter's going crazy about what's going on. Uh, Instagram's going crazy with what's going on. 
and uh, this album is like blowing blowing a lot of really big records out of the water for sales in a certain period of time. I think that's just destroyed the spot, the standing Spotify um, sales or downloads, should I say, record for the first three days. Um, it's just topping the charts. He's got a bunch of tracks on there that are looking like they're going to top the charts. He's just back in a huge way. This album's made a massive splash, and um, it's good to see him back to his, to his winning ways. Um, and what's made this even more interesting is that there's a the album's full of uh, diss tracks towards a bunch of different mumble rappers and media like uh, hip hop media journalists, um, just a bunch of different people who've, who've talked shit about him in the past. And one of those specifically was uh, a verse he dropped on the track "Not Alike" with Royce to Five Nine, dissing uh, a, a, another white rapper. I think he's from Houston, Texas, um, uh, called Machine Gun Kelly. Now, there's a Pretty killer verse he drops, and this dude apparently talked shit about Eminem in a tweet ages ago, but all, or about his daughter. But then also did a, a diss track with uh, Tech Nine. Tech Nine and, and Eminem are actually cool, but he did like this subliminal uh, hidden diss track uh, verse on a Tech Nine song, and it made its way to Eminem's ears, and he responded. Uh, I just got to say, this is I realised just hugely. Hugely childish, and I don't care at all. I absolutely love it, mate. I feel like a little kid in a candy shop. We got this beef going on back and forth. There's like a white boy rapper beef going on, and I couldn't be happier. I'm like a kid in a candy shop, man. It's it's it's. I've been so I've been buzzing about it. I've been following the Twitter feed. It's just just uh, go on Twitter and check out either hashtag Eminem hashtag. MGK, which is Machine Gun, Machine Gun Kelly, or hashtag Kamikaze. You see all the posts on there, what everybody's writing. Um, a bunch of huge name rappers are all getting involved, putting their two cents in what they think's going to happen. And um, basically, Machine Gun Kelly came back uh, with a diss track of his own, like after two or three days, recorded a, a film clip for it. And look, I don't know much about Machine Gun Kelly. I've heard him. He's, I've seen him on a couple of like uh, collaboration albums in the past. I've heard his name. I knew of him, but I don't listen to his music. And and to be fair, he's not one of the type of rappers that Eminem's been dissing f- for being a mumble rapper or being having no skills. It was person. It was um, it was straight up a personal beef between these two. And the diss track he dropped is is actually pretty good, man. It's actually really good. So I'd go as far as saying this is the best diss track or battle track or whatever you want to call it um, against Eminem we've ever seen. He's had a lot of battles uh, with different rappers over the years. I mean, he started as a battle rapper. He's famously ended Ja Rule's career. Um, he had a, a fallout with uh, Limp Biscuit, ended those guys' career. He had a fallout with... Uh, Whitey Ford from Everlast back in the day, he persisted and hung in there. A bunch of other rappers, um, Insane Clown Posse, a bunch of dudes you would never even heard of because Eminem crushed them back in the day and we never heard from them again. So it's not something that is new to new to him, but this is definitely the, the most solid diss track we've ever heard. Um, and yeah, I, I'm a massive Eminem fan, but I've got to give props where props is due. It was a good track, it was well produced, good clip. The dude's got... It's, it's some really brutal, solid uh, lyrics in there. Uh, it makes you laugh. It makes you go, ooh, shit, did he say that? He makes a few good points in there. It's well put together. He can rap. So you you gotta you got to shout out to him, man. It really is 
it's a great, great marketing move. I mean, you never heard about Machine Gun Kelly until this, and now the guy's the kid's blowing up, mate. Like he's pretty big in the hip hop circle already, and he's big in America and things like that. But he wasn't a uh, crossover pop icon star like he's going to be now. So smart, smart um, uh, marketing move by him. And the backstory for this is that he grew up. Uh, he's he's a white rapper who like looks like he's got bleached blonde hair, mate. Like he he he's a massive Eminem fan. He's admitted that multiple times in the past before they they had a fallout. Eminem sort of didn't know really who he was, but he was a massive fan of Eminem. He's like covered Eminem songs. He he talked about how he thinks he's the greatest of all time. He even acknowledges that in the diss track, which is kind of weird. And he's kind of like a nasty like street gangster looking white kid so he's not like a corny looking um vanilla rice type uh, white rapper he's like you know nasty look about him he's covered in tats from head to toe he looks like a real feral sort of hillbilly style rapper there's a few of them kicking around now if you look him up um and the track it's good man i gotta i gotta be honest so he's put eminem on blast man and everybody's hanging out waiting to to see and to hear eminem's reply see if he's going to make a reply to it And, and to be honest he has to he has to. Uh, for the game that they're playing, um, your credibility relies on you being able to back up your words and, and um, sort of, even though it's it just seems very silly, what it is is it's the hip-hop culture, man. It's a, it's a rap battle culture. It's about lyricism. It's about respect. And it's about you got to be able to prove that you you know that uh, what you say is 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 who you are, and in this case we're talking about who's the best lyricist, who's the most uh, who spits the most venom basically on the mic, you know. So he's been put on blast, mate, and he needs to to come back with something, and and you can't hang out and, and leave it too long either because the buzz is happening now, and um, the longer we leave it, the better it looks for Machine Gun Kelly. So having said all that about MGK. Got to say, lyrically, he's he's not on the same level as Eminem. Even though there's some good lyrics in there, um, and it's a good track. When we, when we talk about Eminem, see, I didn't go into this too much last time. Why Eminem is one of the best rappers of all time, but there's a few things that you can quantify this with to uh, by to to break it down. So music's you know objective. You can say you like whoever you like. You can say you know you're into whatever style you you, you like. You can say the you know your favorite rapper is whoever they are, and no one can really disagree with you. You can say, but you can say this guy's the best rapper for this reason, whatever. And that's talking about the culture of of rap, and I understand that. And when you talk about the culture of rap, there's a few different guys you could throw out there who would be the greatest of all time: Biggie Smalls, Tupac Shakur. Um, Nas, Kendrick Lamar, there's a bunch of guys whose names would be on that list, but that's more of a cultural, um, you know, Eminem's name's still on that list, but it's, that's more of a cultural uh, um, reason for who's the greatest, and, and that's about the culture of hip-hop, and that is subjective to what, what you know, who you are, where you come from, what, how the lyrics touched you, how, how the lyrics of that rapper have changed culture, hip-hop culture or pop culture, and what they stood for, uh, all those kind of things. And that that is, you know, yeah, you, you, that's up to, it's, it's a matter of opinion. But when we talk about the best lyricists, this is much more, um, yeah, this is much more, I think I'm getting my, my uh, words mixed up here with subjective and objective. So subjective would be uh, who's the best rapper of all time. Culture-wise, that's subjective. But when you talk about who's the best lyricist of all time, that's much more objective because we can actually quantify what makes someone a good lyricist, a great lyricist. And there's things that Eminem does that make him 
in, in many people's opinion, the greatest lyricist of all time, which is the way he puts his raps together. So you've got the timing, the speed, the cadence, the metaphors, the multiple complex metaphors he drops, the, the way he rhymes multiple syllables, the way he rhymes multiple sentences, the way... He stop starts his flow, breaks it up, choppy flow. The way he double times and then half times. The way he's the speed he can rap at. The technical the technical ability that he he puts into to to these verses um, is what makes him one of the greatest lyricists of all time. It's an actual technical skill. You can look at the words per minute. You can look at the way the bars are mixed up and the way he double times and drops back and the way he breaks the bars up. You can look at how many words per minute he can spit, which he's got the world record for that also. And then on top of that, there's quality content. Content. He's not just spitting hibbity-jibbity gibberish. He's actually saying shit that whether, you're, whether you agree with or care about what he's saying, is actually there's a story behind what he's talking about. You can follow the point from point A to point B. You know, he tells a story. He's a great storyteller also. So that's what we talk about when we say top lyricists. And and then in the conversation of top lyricists, you'd have guys like Nas, Tech 9 Kendrick Lamar, Eminem. There is people who, who you could put up and, and look at them side by side and say who's the best lyricist of all time. But the the general consensus when it comes to that is it's Eminem. He's the GOAT. Um, and this kid, Machine Gun Kelly, is not in the same conversation. Hey, man, nobody really knew about this kid until he until he got into a beef with Eminem. So at this he's twenty eight years old by the by the, age, by the time Eminem was twenty eight he's you know renowned worldwide. He'd blown all the sales out of the water for the Marshall Mathers LP, he was the biggest rapper of all time and all this kind of shit. Like the laurels that he's got behind him speak for themselves and the storied career that he's had, the ups, the downs, he's failed, he keeps getting up, keeps putting shit out and even though he doesn't have that same cultural influence that he had back 10, 15 years ago on those other albums, I spoke about this briefly on the last podcast, that's a cultural phenomenon, that's like the guy, the first white rapper doing this, breaking into the scene for the first time, telling us his life story, saying shit on the microphone on that, that people had never heard in the mainstream before, telling this story about his messed up childhood, it was amazing. People got emotionally invested, and you can't you can't replicate that. You can only only do that trick once. What he has done is got technically better as as a lyricist as the years go on and on and on and on. He's experimented. Some things have fallen. Some things have have, have caught on, and but you can't deny that this last album, the the lyricism in it is far beyond anything he's ever put out before, and far beyond anything I think anybody's really putting out. So the lyricism speaks for itself. Um, Machine Gun Kelly has definitely get, got the pop culture and the hip-hop culture world talking right now. It was a good diss track, but in this, when you're looking at the, the test of time, this is the best work he's ever put out. I think it's the best work he's capable of putting out. And even though it was a good diss track, I don't know what ammo is going to come with for the second... For for the for the reply for you know the next reply on, uh, whereas Eminem does this shit he's been doing this his whole life he can just pull you apart from all different angles, so I think yeah I'm excited about the the um the response I'm excited to just oh, it's like a big game to me man it really has got me buzzing I grew, I grew up with Eminem I've been waiting for him to get that passion that spark back for a little while I've followed all of his albums I've always found something good in all of those albums but he hasn't had that same spark and buzz and passion around him and now I think this kid's lit a fire up under his ass. So we're gonna see 
we're going to see where it takes us. I know it's stupid. Um, I'm, some, I'm getting involved in all of this with a big smile on my face, man. But I think it's good for hip-hop. I think it's good for Eminem. I think it's good for Machine Gun Kelly. I think everybody involved wins. But in the end of the day, I think this kid, uh, this may be the peak of his wave right now. And we'll see what, where, where he goes from here. If, it's, um, if he's going to be able to carry himself further beyond this beef. Or if this is it, the pinnacle of his career. And after it crashes, he, he sort of drifts off into the distance. So, um, yeah, I just had to jump on, man, talk about that shit. Why not? It's my birthday. Got a bit of time. I busted my ass today. Got a bunch of things done. Um, and, yeah, uh, it had me. It got me buzzed, got me excited. That's what this podcast is about, talking about music, talking about things that excite me. I realized I got about three times more excited about this uh, Eminem, Machine Gun Kelly uh, beef than I did about the, the UFC breakdown, but what are you going to do, man? I'm excited about both of them. I'm excited about the rugby tomorrow night. I'm excited to be 35 years old and probably not in the best shape of my life. I've been fitter before, but I'm in pretty damn good shape, man, and, and I know that once we get a bit more of a sleep routine with those kids, I'm going to get that that fitness back again too. So I'm in no way out of shape, but I'm just, I was about to say in the best shape of my life, but it's not 100 percent true so that's what i hit i came here to say please go onto the uh, website check everything out on the facebook page instagram page let me know what you think um, leave your reviews tell me what you want to talk about and um yeah i uh, love you appreciate you all average man podcast episode 13 happy birthday out